When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive, on-demand content, or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hi, folks. I'm Amy Wright, and we've got a great show ahead of us. Singer-songwriter and celebrated guitarist Patrick Droney stopped by to talk about his debut full-length studio album, State of the Heart which was released last month via Warner Records. It's an album that explores the meaning of loss, reconciling what's behind you, and the pursuit of self, with 15 tracks entirely co-produced and co-written by Droney. At its core, State of the Heart offers an in-depth look into the long journey its creator undertook in order to get to this exact moment in time, a tale of three cities, New York, LA, and Nashville, where he's lived and worked over the last decade. I enjoyed chatting with Patrick about his new record, his love of blues music, and much more. And I'm glad to be able to share our talk with you right now. You're listening to Insights by Diddy TV. Welcome, Patrick. Welcome to Diddy. Thanks for having me. So where are you hanging these days? I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been here for the last couple of years, and uh, it's, been, it's been good to me, so I'm happy to be here right now. So what's the best part of being in Nashville since you've moved there? It's the community. It's the people. It's the focus on the craft. We're all connected by music here. And I think that's it's still the one singular city that is connected by music above all. So it's been the most special part of being in Nashville. I hear that time and again from artists that it, it was it's a special place. We all know that. But from a mu- musician standpoint, just being able to collaborate with other musicians so seamlessly is really amazing it's and it's the common language too and i find uh that it's humbling as well as as a musician as an artist everybody's really great at what they do and so it's kind of also taught me just to be the best me i can be and just that's okay you know now when you were growing up was your family musical or what what kind of drew you to music in the first place yeah so my dad was a session guitar player in Philadelphia um, in the late 60s, early 70s. He went on to go to medical school and became a doctor, but he really had his time in the Philly soul scene. So growing up, as, as early as I can remember, it was my dad playing guitar. And it was less about the guitar and I think more about my dad. He's just, he's just my guy. And I just kind of wanted to be like him. And um, it became a really great bonding uh, method for, for me and my dad. And uh, the guitar just kind of became my my centerpiece. So it was really just my dad playing music at home and, and it kind of showing me great old blues and soul records and great songwriters. And my mom came over from Belfast when she was a kid, so she's an Irish immigrant. And just the Irish music and, and the history of stories and just storytelling, it was all kind of a mesh of, of inspiration for me to become an artist at, at some point. So when did you get your first guitar? Luckily, I had all my dad's guitars, right? Oh, so that's right. You did. <laughs> you had a collection of good ones, I'm sure. In the album book, there's a, there's a picture. Uh, I mean, I must be like three or four 
holding this guitar. It's like twice the size of me. It's so special to me. Yeah. So you obviously, when you picked it up, you were very good at it already because I'm going to give you some accolades here. I guess when you were 13, you won the Robert Johnson New Generation Award for Best Young Blues Guitarist. That's a pretty special thing to win at 13 years old. It was so special. Um, you know, the Johnson family uh, invited me in Mississippi um, to Hazelhurst, where, where they laid it and where Robert Johnson was from. And I got to, to play their festival, and they really became uh, my family. And my guitar actually is hanging up in the Robert Johnson Museum in Mississippi. And these are things that they set a really uh, real like context and reverence for the, for the music and like what came before me and the fact that I could even stand on shoulders to 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 be able to play music today and, and who paved that path. So to have that out of the gate was really special to me. And I carry that with me and everything I do is a, a bit of a responsibility to continue to carry the torch. What did you find special about the, uh, the, the Delta and sort of the blues history there? Today, you know, we, we think of music and there's business, there's the industry, there's streaming playlists. Um, there is, there is music was, it's a tr- truly the great American art form, blues music. Um, and it's d- deeply rooted in, in pain and suffering and, and, and emoting. Uh, and I, th- I just think for me, it was like just captivating how people endured and, and got through their adversities. And my first love was Ray Charles. Um, and, you know, how, what, how he overcame his adversities as a blind black man in the South to to become what he became, all of these stories were just uh, very inspiring to me at a young age and uh, obviously having the privilege of being the place I am. Uh, I was growing up, it was just more of um, some great lessons to, to carry. So I read that you played with some amazing artists at a very young age. B.B. King was one of them, James Brown, Elvis Costello, to name a few. So what did you learn from some of these artists, or do you have a story that stands out with uh, one of these artists that you played with? So B.B. King um, was and is a true hero to me. And from the earliest days, I remember my dad playing Thrill is Gone. He just went like, what is that? What is that guitar sound? How is he doing that? And also one of the more underrated singers. Um, so dad and I went to see King play at the Keswick Theater in Pennsylvania. I was, I think I was nine. And I had an asthma attack in the audience. I was so excited. I mean, I, like, this is like such a, a joyful experience. Um, but after that show, actually, I went back and I met BB in his tour bus. And he was just so kind. He was one of those guys who just really wanted to pass the torch. He wanted to, like, encourage. I was just one of many kids that BB King helped along the, along the way. So a couple of years later, I got to, to hop on the road with him and play these shows. And, you know, a guy like BB King, it was like it was all about grace and just kindness and gentleness and as a player less is more like how much can you say with one note you know um it's a very eloquent way of playing guitar and that kind of translated into some life lessons too i was just at the bb king museum in indianola and uh it's a very cool museum for people who haven't been there it's very cool and they talk about bb king's vibrato and how yeah. how signature that vibrato is, and and actually how most guitar players have a signature vibrato. Totally, and like so he came, you know, he was he was this guy. He'd shake it, you know. Eric Clapton is up and down, and like every you know everybody's got their little intricacies that make them them uh, who they are. And there's this great quote um, 
it's like style is what you can't do. It's as much as what you can't do is what you can do. And all these little limitations you have as a player or whatever inform the way you do your thing. So uh, it's really fun to study these guys and girls. You went on to attend the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music at NYU. And what did you learn when you were in school? That's, that's a different kind of learning than being on stage with B.B. King. But what were you learning there? By the time I got to New York, you know, I had kind of had this low-key career experience as a, as a young musician. Um, you know, I, I had a record deal when I was 14. I, I put out a record. I experienced the industry in a way. And, uh, but I also knew as much as I love playing guitar and being, you know, you're, you're a young guy, you can shred. There's kind of a ceiling there, right? And I knew that. And I knew that it was going to be about songs experience and telling stories and that was going to take much longer than you know being 14 and jumping on the stage with one of your heroes it's going to take a life lived so my time in new york and nyu was more about becoming an advocate for myself for my artistry for the business of what i do um you know i had great mentors uh, at the cloud davis institute and at that point it was just a department that was like 28 kids now it's this big thing um but it was also pivotal because it got me to New York City. And that was, you know, I always lived in New York's shadow in Jersey, you know, but New York was always, um, always, I was drawn to it. And to spend 18 to 21, 22 in a city like New York, it's kind of a, it's a total dream. Um, so that really was the, probably the more formative part of that experience was just being in New York. So we all know there are lots of clubs and very cool places to play in New York. What was one of your favorites to play in during that period? I was, I think it was the last weekend CBGB's was open. I played that, uh, which was, I was talking to my dad about that the other day. But um, when I was living in New York, it was like, it was the living room. It was, uh, you know, the Bowery Electric. It was, the, you know, little East Village spot is the Sidewalk Cafe. You know, these little, these little spots, you just kind of make your homes. Um, and like, you know, we'd go to the basement of Webster Hall and play shows and one day dream about playing Webster Hall and all that stuff. It's just so much character. And what is it about being in New York that just is so inspiring? New York meets you where you are. It's a it's a place that I feel like accepts every bit of like where you fall in the spectrum of the human condition and like whatever version of life you're in, you can find a way in New York City. And I do love too the feeling that um, we're all kind of alone together in New York. And I never really felt alone for that reason. Um, and just the simple uh, uh, act of being able to walk and walk and walk. Um, I feel like I'm walking my way through life sometimes because I just need to move. Um, so New York is, is, is that for me, too. And we're going to get to your album here in just a little bit, State of the Heart, because I know that there, there are some themes that, that, that look back at that New York experience and what that meant to you. And then I know that you were in New York for a while, but you also lived in L.A., right? Yes. So I went from New York to Los Angeles and I've spent a few years there. And again, like this, this record is really the tale of three cities. It's, it's my time in New York, it's Los Angeles and it's Nashville, each really pivotal um, for kind of the summation of what this record can turn into. But LA was, you know, I think I was 21. I signed my first publishing deal and I, and I just kept chasing it, you know, because at that point it'd been this long journey already. Um, and L.A. was just kind of the next marker. Now, were you writing music this whole time? Yeah, doing everything. And, and, and again, it's like, it's all about honing your craft. So 
I might have thought I was ready for the thing. We don't really know what the thing is. You know, we talk about making it. It doesn't really exist. You just have to do it. Um, but at the time, uh, yeah, I was I was chasing it just as hard as I am now. And um, it takes that grit and that confidence and that blind faith that you're doing the right thing. And, you know, I had really great mentors in Los Angeles. Um, Glenn Ballard. Glenn produced uh, the Jagged Little Pill for Lance Morissette. And he wrote Man in the Mirror. He became my right-hand man and took me under his wing. And uh, there are countless people uh, along the way that, just encourage the potential, you know? And uh, it's like the plot points. This whole album experience has been really beautiful because I've been able to really like look at it from above and see all these beautiful people who have helped me along the way. And so you then, you moved from LA to Nashville and that's just in the last couple of years. But over the last, sort of in your 20s, how has your songwriting evolved to get to State of the Heart? It's It's been a, a true transformation. Um, I think... I went from like, you know, writing songs and trying to tell my story to really being able to articulate like my story and like, articulate the experience of, of these stories behind me. And a lot of that had to do with, with moving to Nashville and experiencing the level of craft here and, and the vulnerability and the storytelling and, you know, how many ways can you turn a word? That's one part of it. But the other part of it is like, how honest can you be? And, and how can you say it the way it hasn't been said before? Um, and I think it's just also living into this story. Like my favorite quote is from Raina Rook and it's, well, you have to live the questions. You have to live into the answers. And I just feel like New York and LA were my question years. And I feel like these last few years in Nashville and being able to really articulate these stories have been more of like the answer years and the discovering, okay, that makes sense to me now. And as a songwriter, um, I mean, more than ever, like today, I'm inspired to be more vulnerable and more uh, dig deeper than I feel like I have. And I really feel like I went there on this record. So it's just never going to stop transforming and hopefully getting better. What are some of the life experiences you've gone through in the last, say, seven or eight years that maybe come out in an album like this? Gosh, um, you know, the State of the Heart is it's a song, but it's a theme. And we have these various states of art. We kind of live in flux. And the corners of this can this human condition, it's like there's this love, there's loss, there's grief, there's the pursuit of self. And I feel like there's chapters in that last seven, eight years that strike on all of those things, right? Like we're all just trying to find ourselves. And I think at the end of the day, like we're right here, ourselves are with us. And, um, you know, I experienced a lot of loss. Um, in my time in New York, you know, I lost, uh, I really learned like that life's fragile. Um, and that led to understanding what anxiety was. And, um, and then meeting beautiful people, you, you fall in love and you try to build stories together. And sometimes they don't work in the clash of dreams when people have aspirations and uh, trying to do that in parallel sometimes just doesn't work. And I think it's just, it's the, it's the unlearning of all like the habits that didn't work um but also like giving yourself grace to look back and say okay like you did okay um so that's been part of this whole process and these songs span from you know a song like talk about that that really touches on some pretty um tactile parts of the experience of what it's like to, to be here and that we really need to talk about these things but that was written five years ago um you know and then like glitter was written like a little bit over a year ago. These songs kind of like 
found me at different times, but all came together for this moment. So very interesting. Were you writing any of them over the past year when we were all sort of scattered to the wind? <laughs> I, I was, and, you know, so many songs didn't make the record that, you know, there's hundreds of songs that we were picking from, but there's a song on the record called River that I wrote actually my last day in the studio. I came in early just to spend a little more time at the piano, and I, I found this little melody, and it just it struck me that I had to write that that second. And we ended up recording that song on the last day, uh, and it, we made the record exactly as it is. But that song was about the present. It's it's been a hard year. Is the first couple words of the song, and I felt like that was important for me to kind of catch up and talk about what's happening right this second, so that the whole record is not just about what's behind me, but also like where I'm at right now. So, do you tend to write on the piano or the guitar more often? Yeah, it's 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 definitely a combination. Um, I. Really, I always say songs are like fossils and they already are written. I just am dusting them off. So whatever instrument I have, I just end up getting really abstract, start playing, whether it's a piano or a guitar, and hum and just sing. And it makes no sense. If you're really in the room, you'd think I was crazy. But I always stumble on what I feel is an artifact and I just dust it off. So whatever like the tool is at the time, it doesn't really matter. Um, I will say I'm, I'm very inspired by playing keys because it goes back to that styles what you can't do. Like I've been playing guitar my whole life and I know so many different ways around it, but I'm still limited in my piano abilities. And I feel like that helps me think differently because I'm not distracted by all the places I can go. So let's talk about some of the songs on the album specifically. And you can tell me in your own words what, what they're about. And then of course, everyone will always interpret them the way they're gonna interpret them anyway. But what about talk about that? Talk about that is, you know, the verses have always been yes of, of life. You know, there's, there's the kid who's afraid to go to the school dance because he, you know, he doesn't understand um, maybe his sexuality. There's, there's talking about alcoholism. There's talking about, you know, death. It's like divorce, it's a mess of life, right? And the idea that, like, we all have bags that we don't unpack and, like, we have pictures we look at for too long. And at the end of the day, like, we're... We're growing up too fast and we don't talk about it. Like the things that make us the most connected that would probably fix a lot of problems if you just were honest with each other. Um, we tend to keep really close to the best, you know, whether it's shame or embarrassment or just wanting to be perceived as strong. Um, that song was my way of trying to start a conversation about, it, you know, and like I said, I wrote that song about five years ago. Um, and it's been interesting that it's, it's met me where I am now and to come out, came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and just to have that come out right now feels really poignant and fitting. And like, I want people to just start talking about the real thing. So that's the inspiration behind talking about that. Well, and of course, songs that are timeless, really, they might translate to a different era. It doesn't matter when you wrote them. So what about yours in the morning? It was in the morning. Uh, it's honestly one of my favorite songs. Uh, again, written in that same era. And that song, just as a side note, I've been playing at every live show I've played for the last four or five years. And it's become a staple. So but we never recorded it. So it's kind of like grew with me and the fans. But to really find a home for it on this album was so special. And that song is about like seizing the moment. Um, and my, I wrote it with my friend Drew Kennedy. And Drew is a really amazing 
a singer-songwriter from Texas. And something Drew always talks about is, you know, our job is to make the ordinary extraordinary. And, you know, so I'm using all these crazy metaphors at the end of the day just to say, like, hey, like, I just want to be yours in the morning. I want to fall in love. Like, I, I don't want to dress this up. Um, and that can kind of, like, lead into, it's, <laughs> we talk about aliens and spaceships and the end of the world if a meteor hit, all that stuff. It's just an, all a fun way of saying, like, I love you. And I just, I want to say it, you know. So I read that you have over 60 million streams. Do you pinch yourself sometimes? Oh, I take nothing for granted. And that's a part of this whole thing that we're talking about. Like this story goes back so far where this is the beginning really, but all that time has really helped me settle in to just being in the moment and being grateful and to have the knowledge that at least some people are going to be hearing my music. It's a real gift. And then it also bears the responsibility that, okay, if you have a million people listening to you every month, you know, then what are you saying? And you take stock in, in that message. And it's good because it keeps you accountable as a songwriter because you actually have to make sure you're saying something that matters. So I love the videos, by the way, of the songs. It was uh, the three I, I saw were talk about that state of the heart and yours in the morning. And what was that experience like making the video? Who helped you out? What was what was that all about? Oh, man, it, this whole rollout's been so much fun with, with the visuals because, like, it's so much fun to match sound with moving picture and to be able to kind of craft these visual stories around the songs that I already have, like, crazy movies in my head. It was just such a dream to be able to put on screen. Um, we started with, you know, there's been a lot of videos that came out on this record already, but uh, working with amazing directors like Gus Black, for instance, he directed the State of the Heart video and the Write With You video. Um, you know, those are pretty big productions. Like, you know, I had my friend Lucy Hill come in for State of the Heart and we just like went for it. We made a coming of age movie. And it's it's helped me in so many ways as a performer to I'm acting like this is a different, it's a different thing. Um, but it's just, it's really made a world out of the music. Um, and it's just a lot, a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, the videos, the videos are great. Um, so when you're not playing music, what do you do? Good question. Um, <laughs> I find most of my friends who, who do what I do, we don't really have too many answers for that because it's so all-consuming. Um, you know, when I'm not making music, Right now, I'm not, that's all I'm really doing. You know, I love, I love spending time with my friends and my family the best I can. And, you know, but right now I'm just so, I'm just so here and music's what I do. I love, I love watches. I love making, I love cooking and stuff like that. So in my spare time, you'll find me like scrolling through a, my app that shows all these watches that I'm keeping over or making some pasta. But generally I'm, I'm in the studio always working. Well, the album, State of the Heart, is it's a great album. You must be proud. People should go get it, go listen to it. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with the album. And um, come visit us in Memphis when you have a chance. I will. I will. Thanks for having me. Thanks for supporting music and you know giving me a chance to give some context to something that I worked really hard on. So I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Patrick Droney. Be sure to check out his new full-length studio album, State of the Heart which you can find right now online at patrickdronemusic.com. And as always, don't forget to visit diddytv.com for more exclusive on-demand content 
and to download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.